Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 1st July 2021 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. It has been a year of changes, of exits and leaving, and of course, staying in place. Families and friends are parted through grounded planes and halted travel, and a certain virus has modified our lives in ways that were not quite expected. Today, as we swelter in the heat of this broiling city, we'll be listening to a story from another place and another time when saying goodbye could bring other consequences. Ella came all the way from the former Soviet Union to share her experiences living during that iconic time. After Ella, we'll re-listen to a story from Salmai about choices we make and their consequences. Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge and hearty hello goes out to our loyal Hong Kong audience. We hear you, Hong Kong. We are listening. Greetings go out as well to our overseas listeners today, this week particularly to listeners in Preston in the UK, Saint-Germain-en-Laye in France, and Montreal in Canada. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Well, we are hosting workshops again, and you can find them through the website. We'll have a show coming up on August 5th called Bustin' Out, and tickets will be available soon. If you listened to last week's show and caught the last few words, you may have been a little startled to hear our tagline, Everyone has a story to tell in another language. Marnie did get it right when she wrote to us asking if it was Japanese. Of course it was. Hong Kong Stories is a very international community, reflecting this city's multicultural makeup. There'll be another one at the end of this week's podcast. If you know what language it is, you can send your guest to storieshongkong at gmail.com. Your name will go into the hat and one lucky listener will win two tickets to our August 5th show. Hong Kong Stories it's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. And now with her story of a different time and place, here is Ella. In 1976, the leader of the Soviet Union was Comrade Brezhnev. He was shown on TV day and night. Billboards with his clothes were at every corner. His portraits were on the front pages of all Soviet newspapers and magazines. His birthday was celebrated on the national level, and some ordinary comrades would even get drunk on this occasion. However, there was one thing we can be thankful to Brezhnev. He allowed certain people leaving for the West. Not without risks, though. One had to apply before leave, uh, for, uh, to leave. And you may or may not uh, get the permission. But if you were denied, your life will not be the same. You'll surely be fired from your job without any chance of finding uh, a new one. And being unemployed was a criminal offense in the Soviet Union. Uh, so it took a good amount of courage to apply and, of course, if you or your relatives were somehow associated with state secrets, there was no point in applying. You'd be denied. That was my case. My dad was a rocket scientist. Uh, 
a state secret job. That year, I graduated from the university and applied for uh, an, uh, for, for a job at an international organization. I was in the process of screening. And that very year, my cousin Edward received his permission. He was leaving for the States. When I learned it, my first thought was, I wish I could do that too. Edward and I grew up together in the country cottage that our families shared. We had mutual friends, and my pet dog, Blackie, was his present for my 15th birthday. I was happy for him, but now I will have a relative abroad that was a stigma in the Soviet Union, especially for people who plan to work in the international sphere, like me. Edward invited my parents and I to his goodbye party. To go or not to go? That was a question. Going there made me a traitor in the eyes of KGB, a supporter of those who live for the West. I am blacklisted, I cannot be trusted, and I will never get the desired job, if any job at all. If my dad goes, he'll be in a serious trouble. Because only people with immaculate uh, political record uh, can work in the position like his. But if I do not go, I will not be able to wish well to Edward, to say goodbye, and to see him for the last time. Because at that time, leaving for the West was like leaving for another planet. The decision was to go. I put on my Sunday best my blue jeans, my red button-down shirt, and we went to that goodbye forever party. There were some 30 guests, mostly older and middle-aged people, all dressed uh, in dark colors. They all spoke in low voices. They looked very serious, somewhere even sad. Edward was unnaturally pale, nervous, agitated, it thought it all looked like a wake, not like a party. And suddenly I felt absolutely out of place in my blue jeans and red button down. And I thought, I shouldn't have come here at all. What if one of those guests is a KGB informant and uh, reports me? Huh? Then I'll stay unemployed, I'll be sent to jail, and my dad will be fired, what will happen to us all? Oh, and here is my Uncle Peter, the last person I would expect to see at a party like that. A serviceman, a colonel, a committed communist, just perfect candidate for a KGB secret agent. <laughs> at some moment, he left for the bathroom, where he stayed for a suspiciously long time. <laughs> I don't know why I noticed it, but everything was so odd at this party. Uh, and when my, uh, my uncle, Edward's father, said, Oh, I'm sure very soon you'll follow Edward's example and you'll have lunch together somewhere in Manhattan. I thought I would faint. I didn't know what to say, just giggled, and I thought to myself, why are you saying that, you old fart? 
Do you want to put me in an awkward position? Is this your sense of humor? Very silly. Or is there something else behind it? But the thing I was really afraid was that, and I knew that things like that happened at parties like that, that police could show up under the pretext uh, that neighbors complained about the noise. They would check the documents of all the guests, and this will smash all my plans, a relative abroad. Well, the party came to its end. Thankfully, no police showed up. Uh, we were on the way home, relieved, content that nothing happened, no unwanted incidents. And then suddenly, the traffic police stops our car. My heart sank. The police officer commanded for my dad to leave the vehicle. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. This is not happening. Uh, it all went so well. Who reported me? Was it Uncle Peter? Oh, I knew that snake. There was no other reason for him to be at the party. Uh, they were not even that close. Or maybe that was somebody else. Difficult to say. Anyway, my dad, uh, the, uh, the policeman uh, took the salute. My dad showed his driving license. And so to explain something, what could they be possibly talking about, I thought. Uh, what was he saying? I couldn't see from behind the small window. I couldn't hear either. And that policeman, he seemed to be a nice guy. He has he, a kind face. Or maybe that just was what I wanted to see. A kind-faced police officer, and he was actually angry? I don't know. How long was it? A minute, two, three? Difficult to say, because those moments were like eternity to me. <sighs> My dad came back. I said in a trembling voice, what? He answered, Sobriety test. It's Comrade Brezhnev's birthday. <laughs> have you ever been in a situation where things are not what they seem? Well, if you have, then you have a story to tell and we are ready to hear it. Weekly workshops have been resumed, and you're welcome to come and share with our workshop hosts. Find out how on the website, hongkongstories.com. Up next, we have a story of a time when our storyteller was faced with a choice. Here is Sao Mai. I was in the metro on a Saturday morning. Metro is how we call the MTR in Montreal. I... Check the metro map. Three more stations to go. The doors opened, and I looked distractedly at the passengers coming in. One man attracted my attention. 
He must have weighed around 300 pounds, and he zoomed for the reserved seat. His face is red, and he's sweating profusely. And I thought, all right then, maybe he does need the reserved seat. A woman entered the wagon and stood in front of him. She held the handrail close. She was wearing really high heels, a tight short dress, and lots of makeup. On a Saturday morning. The makeup didn't look fresh, though. Suddenly, the man yelled at her, You bitch! And the wagon went completely silent as everyone simultaneously turned their heads in the same direction. Uh, identical thoughts were rushing through our minds, right? There are three possible scenarios here. One, he's delusional. Two, she did something to provoke him, but no one had seen what that was. And three, they know each other. And something from the private realm is about to explode in public. We didn't have to wait long. It was number three. Everyone simultaneously looked away. Cell phones suddenly became very interesting. The lady to my right picked up the newspaper from the floor and started ruffling through the pages. I took a deep breath and looked at, at the metro map again. But I was curious, and I glanced their way again. I looked at her more closely, and it struck me that we seemed to be worlds apart. I had certainly never worn heels that high, a dress that short, and that much makeup. I had just graduated three years ago from an all-girls high school run by Catholic nuns. Our skirts were knee-length. We didn't talk about violence or abuse by men. Sure, we were given guidance on how to build our confidence. Maybe the hope was that, armed with confidence, we would know what to do when confronted with violence and we wouldn't get into abusive relationships. For example, we were told, repeat to yourself, you are beautiful, you are kind, you are capable. And we didn't question uh, the effectiveness of this tool for matters of the heart. We put it to good use elsewhere. Before writing a difficult physics exam or stepping on stage, we'd wink at each other. Girls, remember, you're beautiful, you're kind, you're capable. Then we graduated, stepped into college, ready to bloom into confident, young, professional women. I had just started dating my now husband. He was a gentleman. He never raised his voice, even when he was upset. I didn't need to remind myself that I was beautiful, kind, and capable in his presence. He did it for me. And there I was, staring at a very different dynamic three meters away from me. Suddenly I hear, You fucking cow! My jaw dropped all on its own, and he noticed, and he glanced my way, stared at me straight in the eyes. All my muscles jerked my body and gazed in the opposite direction. My jaw clamped shut. Then I heard a female voice, her voice, saying, I'm sorry 
the newspapers stopped ruffling. If at all possible, the wagon became even more silent. The doors opened, and um, some unknowing passengers stepped in. Apparently, that was his cue to ignore her apology, and he continued to berate her. The new passengers stared wide-eyed. The old passengers expressed different versions of, here we go again. One sighed. Another closed his eyes. I checked the metro map yet again. Two more stations. While my eyes wandered upwards, somehow they met hers. I smiled, a quick involuntary smile, like when you get caught when you just want to be invisible. She immediately looked down. But I couldn't look away. My eyes were trying to tell her, Ma'am, I'm sorry, but I can't help you. Look at the size of me. Look at him. She looked up at me again. Ma'am, if I do something, it may sense him further, and you may end up paying a higher price later on, and I don't want that to happen to you, right? But I still can't look away. All I managed was another smile. It felt futile. But she smiled back. Suddenly, another spew of insults hit her. But this time, she interrupted him. Look, I already said that I'm sorry. Then she looked over to me, expectantly. Her eyes were asking me, Do you approve? Ma'am... No, you've chosen the wrong person to be your ally. Do you know what I have to guide me when I need to feel strong? Would you like me to remind you that you're beautiful, kind, and capable? Would that help you? I looked away. People were tense. We all heard the change in tone, and we were bracing ourselves for a brutal counterattack from him. The Metro recording announced then that my station was next. I had 30 seconds to decide. Will I stay on or leave? Walking away from all of this would be such a relief. But is it the right thing to do? The doors opened. By now there was a heated exchange between the two of them and I thought, she's defending herself, she'll be all right. And right before the doors shut close, I slipped out of the wagon. but I felt no relief. It took only the length of time between three metro stations for my mask to fall. That mask was the confidence of my sheltered self. For what's the use of being beautiful, kind, and capable in front of an angry man? I would have needed courage to stay on and stand by this woman. I just didn't have it in me. It was too late now. The doors were closed for good. All I could do was run to the doors that faced her directly, and I gave her one last smile. She let go of the handrail then, and under the man's suspicious, furious gaze, she wobbled on her heels to come face me. There were only the closed doors between us.
and she grinned. In that moment, I thought she was brave. The metro moved, and she waved at me. Not a timid, discreet wave. She waved with both arms and took up all the width of the closed doors between us. And in two seconds, she disappeared into the tunnel. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. દરેકની પાસે એક વાર્તા કહેવાની હોય જ છે 